daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Greetings and salutations, Gamecock fans. ITG Daily, J.C. Sherbert here with you on Monday, March 2nd. The Ides of March are upon us. This is the first episode uh, in March we've had here. I'm going to go through some things with you guys today. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm, you know, after this past weekend, I wouldn't blame you if you, you know, put up the car flags for a while and didn't really wear garnet and black anywhere and, you know, maybe started, you know, watching some movies or some TV shows and getting your mind off of things. Because I honestly don't know how much more you guys can take. And uh, as I said Friday, you know, I share your frustration. I get it. It's my job, you know, not to be a fan, um, not to, you know, get too high or too low or too critical or, you know, react crazy after one game and want people fired. Um, it's my job to be rational and to tell you in situations where, you know, just like everything in sports, it's uh, questionable whether things will work out or not. You know, you never know. Uh, you heard Steve Spurrier as your football coach. There were times where you wonder whether it's going to work out or not. It ultimately did. Um, Eddie Fogler is the basketball coach in the 90s. It looked like it was really going to work out, and it didn't um, at the end of the day. You know, you, you've got certain things. So it's my job to tell you, you know, how things could possibly work out because that, that's just the nature of sports. That being said, it's pretty clear right now things are not working out. Um, coming off a four and eight football season, you know, basketball, and I, I want to say this about Frank Martin. Uh, I, I think Frank Martin is one of the best coaches South Carolina's ever had in any sport. Uh, I think he's his own unique guy. Um, I think that some of the talk about him not being able to recruit, uh, especially in state guys, that's kind of out of his, you know, a lot of it's out of his deal. Um, you know, I think that some people out there that are involved in the basketball recruiting scene in South Carolina, uh, it wouldn't matter who the coach was at, at, for the Gamecocks. They'd probably look at it and find a reason to say don't go to South Carolina. Go to this other school that's had, you know, equal success or whatever. And, you know, they kind of use that, oh, it's better for your life or whatever. I don't know. You know, who's benefiting from a kid going to another SEC school three or four states away? rather than staying home and playing for the Gamecocks. How is that benefiting? Um, so, so I think, you know, no matter who they get, I mean, you want to go hire Greg Marshall if, if Frank leaves one way or the other. Uh, for Greg Marshall, I can tell you this right now, I mean, he, may, he may win if he came, comes to South Carolina. I have no reason to believe Greg Marshall won't do anything but win. Um, it's going to cost a lot to get him. If, and then there's still some people out there that, that don't necessarily like him. But, you know, I guarantee you his uh, in-state recruiting (laughs) prowess is going to be no different than Frank Martin's. And, you know, know, Frank Martin got Thornwell, got Dozier. They got Trey Hannibal. Jalen McCrary was an in-state guy. Um, You know, you'll get some, but you're not going to get all, and there's going to be guys leaving the state. That's just – until this program – gets to gets better consistently uh and it is better right now it obviously is much better because people are sitting around frustrated with a 17 and 12 record um and another non-losing season in the sec and i get that because once you go to the final four folks the final four was one of the best moments uh as a sports fan i've ever had i went out to phoenix uh just as somebody that's followed gamecock basketball since the the 1980s uh it was amazing I love the NCAA tournament, and seeing the team there was was outstanding. So I get it. Everybody wants to go back. You know, once you have that taste, it's like blood in the water. So I get it. But it's not like things are as bad as they once were. So so it is better, you know, the the, the basketball program. But but probably, you know, frustratingly enough, um, you know, this team – you know, 60% of the time is a really good team. And then in clutch situations, and 40% of the time, uh, they, they forgot how to play basketball. You know, that's just the reality. Uh, and this particular year, those two losses they took in the non-conference, you know, not talking about the Wichita or whoever, you know, that's hurting them. And that's hurting Frank Martin right now. Uh, but anyway, the in-state recruiting thing, like I said, n- nobody 
outside of going and getting a guy like a, like knocking it out of the park, like a John Beeline or a Rick Pitino uh, or somebody like that, you know, you're going to have to recruit how you recruit at South Carolina. And quite frankly, for a guy that can't recruit, Frank Martin's got a lot of good basketball players on his team. You know, they're young, and there have been classes that have not worked out for him, but the last few years, I think he's done a good job of putting some very good pieces in place. I mean, it's not its not like the Gamecocks go out there and get out-talented, you know? I mean, teams that, that, that don't have the talent, you know, no matter how hard they try, you know, they don't come back against Kentucky down 14. They can't go on the road and beat Virginia like they did. Um, you know, they beat Clemson by 13. I think we've seen that the Tigers have kind of gotten up off the mat. Um, so I'm not buying any of that. I'm not buying any of that with Frank. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes, you know, if, if things keep happening and you're not getting to where you need to go, you know, sometimes change, change is made. Now, do I think Ray Tanner is going to fire Frank Martin? No, I do not. You know, barring something, a collapse, an off-the-field, off-the-court thing, you know, a reason that pops up, you know, I just can't see them parting ways. I think this team will probably go to the NIT. They're still not out of it for the NCAA tournament, although it is a, a, an extra, I'll caution you, it's an extreme long shot. Uh, you got to win tomorrow night, obviously. got to beat Vanderbilt on the road. And then you're going to have to have a run in the SEC tournament probably till at least Saturday, likely to Sunday. And we look at it, and they haven't exactly lit it up when they played in the SEC tournament under Martin. So – you know, it looks like an NIT team at best. You know, maybe you fall off the NIT bubble. You know, like I said, if, if there's a slew of mid-major upsets, then you could fall off that bubble too if you lose. If you lose Tuesday and then you lose in Nashville, you know, Vanderbilt's upset some teams obviously this year. They beat LSU. Um, you know, you lose those and uh, get bounced one and done. Heck, you're 17 and 15. Maybe you don't make it. So I understand that frustration. I thought the game Saturday night, uh, the moments at the end when it was a one-score game where Carolina just kicked itself in the butt, um, the Cousinard drive, and then he, you know, the ill-advised foul. And look, I don't think he had malicious intent there. But when you look at the replay, clothesline the guy. So that's a that's a cute that's a flagrant one. Um, poor Keyshawn Bryant had one of his best games. Because, like I, like I said last week, when Keyshawn stays in his lane, when he's getting garbage rebounds, he's playing near the rim, um, you know, he's getting putbacks, you know, that, using his athleticism, you know, he's, he's, he's good. He made his free throws, too, for the most part. Um, the poor guy, you know, he's coming down, about to be the hero. You know, if you pass it to Lawson, I mean, Lawson has a, a better look and drives in and gets fouled or has a layup. If, if you just – slam at home, you know, and then just break the backboard, you know, maybe that's a better deal. And that shot wasn't that far off, poor guy. Uh, and then A.J. Lawson had a terrible shot at the end, too. So there were three times where Carolina certainly had its chances, and, and it just didn't work. I mean, you know, you just don't, you know, you can't in a game like that. And I, and I thought early in the game Carolina had control. Uh, I felt like Alabama, looking at their players' body language, you know, they didn't have Petty. Um they they didn't look sure that they could win the game, you know. Down Carolina's up fifteen three, uh, you know Carolina's up twenty to eight. And you have this twelve point game, and then TJ Moss comes in. <clears throat> I'm not trying to hang it on TJ. You know TJ Moss is what he is. He's a backup point guard, um, and he gives you good minutes sometimes where he doesn't commit a turnover. You don't notice it. Uh, I thought you know some games like I mentioned the Kentucky game earlier this year. I thought you know he helped them come back and win. He stepped up. Uh, in that moment Saturday, he fell apart completely. And you notice he didn't play again. But at that point, Carolina has control of the game. You have two turnovers in 10 seconds. Bama gets right back in it. You could tell that gave their kids some confidence uh, in that basketball game. And unfortunately, T.J. Moss just isn't there yet as far as being a consistent player. And you hate it for the kid because I know everybody likes to, likes to dunk on him. Um, and the reality is – you know, he has had some some terrible moments this year. But the other reality is he's, he's given them some good minutes this year. 
Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the other thing is people have to keep in mind, Trey Hannibal, who has made exciting plays, Moss hadn't made a whole lot of exciting plays, but Trey Hannibal makes exciting plays, but then his bad plays are just as bad as TJ's. Um, and so you kind of work it in and out, you know, and all that good stuff. But anyway, I, I don't want to dunk on, you know, those guys or anybody, really. I wish Keyshawn Bryant had dunked on Bama because <laughs> uh, Carolina made a run. I mean, but, you know, you have those three opportunities at Mississippi State, LSU at home, uh, at Bama. We knew, you, you, you know, just winning one of those and the, the, uh, the dynamic's different. And, and another thing sad about Saturday was – you know, Clemson, Carolina really needed them to knock off Florida State and go up in the net. Well, lo and behold, they did. Uh, Virginia, Carolina really needed them to beat Duke and go up in the net. Well, they did. You know, everything kind of aligned. Georgia beating Arkansas, I, I think, was pretty big for Carolina. And Carolina's net ranking did not drop with the loss to Alabama. It's just you start looking at the resume and the upward mobility and stuff like that. You know, you could probably have snuck in to, like, inside the top 50 had you beaten Bama on the road. I mentioned the Q1 wins. Um, you sneak in the top 50. Uh, you know, you're 20 and 11, 12 and 6 in the league. Uh, you know, you probably have double-digit Q1 wins, like I said, with that win. But now, you know, you got a Q2 opportunity. Um, I said double-digit Q1 wins. Q1 and Q2 wins. Uh, you got a Q2 opportunity against Mississippi State, who's won, who won a big game at Missouri. Uh, you probably should be favored Tuesday night, to be honest. I think they're a good basketball team. Um, I don't know that that gets you right back in it, but it keeps you alive in the conversation. Uh, then you got to beat Vanderbilt, and you got to win some games in Nashville at the SEC tournament. I mean, you know, I think – Probably Carolina's going to play Thursday. Uh, if they win these next two, I think they're probably in the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, so then you go and you play Thursday. Uh, then you make it to Friday, you know, and, and you play whoever. Uh, and then if you can make it to Saturday, I think at that point you're in the conversation, not necessarily in. Some things have to go your way. If you make it to Sunday, you know, that, that's that's the ball. If you're shooting a free throw, it's going around the rim. That's the ball kind of plopping in. Um, so disappointing loss uh, for Frank Martin and his team. And, you know, people are talking about Frank not being the coach. I mean, look, I, like I said, I I, I, I think if, if you're an administration, if you're Ray Tanner, and, again, I have not heard a word about Ray Tanner wanting to get rid of Frank Martin and go in another direction. Have not heard that. But if for some reason, you know, something happens and, and, and he goes and gets another job, which is exactly what I would do if I were him, quite frankly, because a lot of things about South Carolina's lack of success in men's basketball don't have any – they have nothing to do with what the coach is, who the coach is. Um, uh, you know, if he goes and gets another job – then I, or if, if 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 they you know decide to mutually part ways, here, here's what I want to here's what I would do. Um, you, you can't afford at this point if you're Ray Tanner with any opening in the immediate future. Now now football is different because football, if that comes open next year, you got a lot of good young coaches out there that are proven. You know when you hire a young coach, and, and I'm going to talk about this with baseball too in a second. When you hire a coach from the mid major level or from a level below you, or, or something like that, you need to hire a guy that's consistently won. Okay, and, and, and back in, you know, 2015, you know, I, I thought it absolutely was, you know, the right the right move to target Tom Herman. You know, I, Tom Herman was the best young coach in the country. Why would you not go to try to hire him? Now he stayed at Houston and then got the Texas job, and that's Texas is kind of where he wanted to be. But why would you not go hire him? You know, people are like, well, Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley. Well, Lincoln Riley wasn't a head coach winning games. You know, and, and I, I still don't know that Lincoln Riley, with no head coaching experience coming to South Carolina, uh, would have worked. I think people would have had a lot more patience with him than Will Muschamp if he'd had identical results to this point. I think the one bad year, people would have been like, oh, no, nah, you're not a fire Lincoln Riley, you know. 
But because Muschamp comes in with an albatross around his neck, you know, you, and I'm with you. You know, I, if you're going to make that higher, then there needs to be progression and winning, and you need to there needs to be proof as to why you made that higher with Will Muschamp. And for the first three years, up until the Florida game in 2018, I think there was. I'll argue that till I'm blue in the face. If you didn't think that before that point, I think you're unrealistic. I think 2018 Florida game, though, another one of those opportunities to, to bust, kick the door in a little bit. You're dealing with a division rival, uh, a team that you had beaten the year before. You really hadn't beaten a whole lot over time. They're reeling. Lost to Missouri by 21 at home. Uh, they're reeling. You're up by 17, and you don't hold it. And then pfft, from that point on, Things just haven't been right. You know, I mean, Carolina wins that game. The whole narrative around Will Muschamp changes. The Gators are grumbling about Dan Mullen. You know, you're winning some recruiting battles. You're probably, even with a loss to Clemson later that year, you're 8-4 and four, probably in the Gator Bowl. You know, maybe better. So... You know, that's where it kind of fell apart. But, you know, you look back on it, Tom Herman. Well, you know, then there's Kirby Smart. Now, I'm going to – I'll take it to my grave. I don't think Kirby Smart would have done any better than Will Muschamp. Because when you have the problems he's had at Georgia, which are not – you know, it's kind of like, oh, my God, uh, I'm a millionaire, and, oh, the, the tires on my Mercedes are running flat. Or, you know, I don't have the right Mercedes. I mean, you know, come on. Guy played for a national championship. He continues to recruit well at a place that recruits itself, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's a lot harder recruiting to South Carolina than Georgia. And I think Will Muschamp, as far as recruiting goes, I'd rate him an A. You know, he's gotten players. He's gotten – I mean, there, there's players really that he's gotten that he has no business getting. So I think that's an A in recruiting, if you just want to look at recruiting. So I think Kirby would have recruited. But you look at how he struggled with the offense and – trying to be modern. I mean, Georgia, talent-wise, one of the best teams in the country last year. Their offense just was stuck in mud. So do, do we think he would have done any better? I don't know. I tend to think he'd have done worse because unlike Muschamp, who said, okay, Kurt Roper, spread it out and throw it like they did the first year, um, or unlike BMAC in 2018, we're like, let's go fast. I don't think Kirby's doing that. I think you're looking at a lot of 20 to 6 type of ball games and you know maybe worse if you don't have the defensive personnel. Uh so you get then after Kirby you go to Muschamp. I mean there just weren't a lot of guys out there. Um you do do a hire this year after this past season or next season and there's a lot of lot of guys that I think would jump at the South Carolina job. I mean Mike Leach and I was talking to a uh, a coach that knows Mike Leach recently and uh, a big Mike Leach fan people can say what they want about him uh, not sure I, I tend to think at an SEC job he's going to have a ceiling but he's also going to have a floor um, and it's going to be entertaining it's going to get people fired up um, I think you know from what I heard Mike Leach would have crawled on his belly through glass to get the South Carolina job I mean why wouldn't you if you're going to take Mississippi State and compete in the West, shoot the East, a lot easier. And that's probably the worst you were going to do. <laughs> um, and so you head to, to next year. I mean, and there's a lot of good guys out there. You know, Scott Satterfield at Louisville, Billy Napier at Louisiana. Uh, you could go the assistant route and hire Shane Beamer, who's been part of Lincoln Riley's staff at Oklahoma. All those guys probably highly interested in the job. Um, you know, you can give a, make a run at Matt Campbell from Iowa State. You can make a run at P.J. Fleck from Minnesota. Um, those guys have done less with more. And, and I think you got to look at that. But that, that, that's, that's football. And, and Muschamp got a new offensive coordinator. You know, he's still grinding away. They're still recruiting. We'll see what he does next year. But, you know, having a new AD is not necessarily going to make them make the right hire because you kind of look at – all the other guys, you know. So I think that, you know, you do have to judge Ray Tanner on the hires he makes, but you can't resist needed change just because you're scared of him making another hire. 
you know. So back to Frank, you know, in the basketball program. If he left, I mean, I, I think at that point for that program, you have to you have to go make a you have to hire a Steve Steve Spurrier, Lou Holtz for football type of guy. Rick Pitino, John Beeline, Greg Marshall. You know, because you, you're not really going – anything else is going to be a huge gamble. You know, Anthony Grant from Dayton has those that, – that team's going to be a top-two seed. Uh, but do you hire another guy that got fired from another SEC school? I don't know. I tend to think Anthony Grant would do well at South Carolina. But, you know, you can't – if Martin leaves or if, you know, there's a parting of ways or whatever – I don't think you can just go higher than, you know, a mid-major. If you do, and then I'm going to get into baseball, you need to make daggum sure that this guy is a consistent winner at the mid-major level. The great thing about Greg Marshall, he won at Winthrop every single year. I mean, that's why he was a no-brainer coach. I mean, McGee, you know, didn't want him the first time when he hired Dave Odom. And I, I think at that point – you know, had Carolina. You look back through through Carolina history, and you know, you look at these points. Well, you know, Bill Foster back in the eighties, after McGuire hung it up. Bill Foster, you know, terrific type of hire. You know, took Duke to a Final Four. What more do you want? Well, that didn't work out. You could have hired, could have hired dot 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 Bobby Crimmins. Who went and took over a four and twenty-three Georgia Tech team and turned them into an ACC power? Who, oh by the way, also loves the University of South Carolina uh, and played for McGuire and would have crawled on his belly through glass at the time to get the job. Same thing with Greg Marshall back. Um, all right, so at the time after Eddie Fogler left, all right, he was at Winthrop three years. They were 42 and 17, 42 and 30, 60 and 30, and had gone to the NCAA tournament three straight years. He had, you know, his fourth year he went, fifth year they got bounced to the conference tournament. They had to rebuild his sixth year. Then they're in the NCAA tournament the next three, 27 and 6, 23 and 8, 29 and 5. Okay. NCAA tournament every year. Okay. At Wichita, it took him four years to get it going. Then they're in the tournament. Then they're in the final four, 32, sweet 16, 32, 32. And, you know, this year they are last – then then the first round last year – I'm sorry, two years ago, uh, NIT semis the next. So he won the NIT. So he's he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of nine years in the NCAA tournament at Wichita after his first three years – which they went to postseason two of the three. And, um, you know, the two times he's made the NIT, he's won it or gotten to the semis. Pretty stellar record. So that's a guy that's that's a proven winner. All right, so so let's go back. Let's go back in time. And I I swear this relates to baseball, too. Let's look at one Darren Horn, which ended up being a terrible, terrible hire. Well, Darren Horn – is uh, in the Sun Belt. Western Kentucky's a heck of a mid-major basketball program. He played there. Very good program. Ralph Willard did well there. Dennis Felton did well there. It's Western Kentucky. They're really good. Okay? 15 and 13 his first year. Finishes second and gets the NIT his second. Uh, finishes first in his division in the Sun Belt. Gets bounced to the tournament NIT in his third. No postseason his fourth year. And then finally... In 07-08, he ends up having a breakthrough and getting to the NCAA tournament. Well, <laughs> you know, let's kind of look at, you know, the, the, the deal in terms of how he got there. You know, they, they aren't necessarily, um, you know, doing all that great in terms of uh, who they beat. You know, because they beat two mid-majors to get there. And then one was on a ridiculous, ridiculously crazy shot at the buzzer. Let, let me just go through this here. Uh, Western Kentucky was the, the infamous 12 seed, okay? And they played Drake, who was a five. That was a high five. Drake out of the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, last second shot beat him 101-99. So they got in the second round. 
San Diego in the 413 game, the Toreros, upsets UConn 70 69. So you got a 13 seed, beat them 72 63. And so then you get bounced by UCLA 88 78 in the Sweet 16 when you finally played a real team. So, uh, you know, the, based on this body of work, you know, at a good mid major job, he got the South Carolina job. <laughs> so, you know, and obviously it didn't work out. He was 60 and 63, had a good first season, and it got progressively worse and bottomed out. Grand total of two SEC wins his final year as the coach at South Carolina. Um, so let's talk about Mark Kingston. Mark Kingston, and, and, and look, I, I'm not saying that Ray Tanner – when he hired Kingston, it was going to be a bad hire. I, I was not – I was in the in, in the camp that, you know, based on my baseball contacts that told me, I was in the camp that this guy's got a, uh, a different offensive approach at the plate, which Carolina kind of needed because the Holbrook era was kind of low scoring. Um, you know, good recruiter, been a part of a lot of good programs over the years, uh, played – uh, minor league baseball played at North Carolina, you know, just kind of a a guy that I thought could come in and re, rejuvenize it and uh, get it going. But if you look, let's look, let's look at look at kind of his career. Okay, so he's at Illinois State, which is a difficult job. Believe me, uh, I know somebody that went to Illinois State. Baseball does not register on that campus. Uh, tied for first, first year goes to NCAA regional. Next year, third. Next year, fourth. Next year, first, but they get bounced and don't make the NCAAs. Uh, and then his fifth year there, they were fifth place in the league. So he ends up getting the South Florida job, which South Florida is one of those programs in, in a lot of sports where they should be better than they are. Granted, they, they haven't had a whole lot of success in terms of wins and losses on the baseball diamond, but um, you know they should be better than they are. So we get an NCAA regional, but then the next year, losing record. Next year's a bounce back year, get back to the NCAA regional, and then you get a South Carolina job. Uh, so so you, you're looking at this, and it's like, well, this guy, you know, one out of five years at Illinois State, and then two of three with South Florida, but you're kind of wondering why he had the bad year, second year. Well, it's South Carolina – you know, second year, obviously, was a complete disaster. Um, now, at South Florida, he bounced back in year three. Can he bounce back this year? Uh, that Clemson series is important because it's always important when you play Clemson. But what I'm going to say is is it was more important this year. Uh, number one, because you went 8-22 and 22 in the SEC last year, which was a uh, – that should never happen at the University of South Carolina in baseball. I think that, you know, you can say, well, that was Holbrook's era catching up with him and they didn't have a lot of guys and whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. You know, you can chalk it up to that, but fundamentally that's completely unacceptable in the sport of baseball at the University of South Carolina. You just, I mean, that should never happen. Eight and 22. Eight and 22. Eight and 22. Um. In the first year, he got to a Super Regional and took a team that, you know, was kind of treading water and struggling, and, and they got hot and turned it around, and, boy, they were a game away from Omaha and actually gave Arkansas their only loss till Arkansas was in the National Championship Series. You know, that, that team was pretty good. That team had a lot of talent that he had to put together. So, so here we are in year three, and I think everybody was fine with 8-22. and 22. And then you go out, and, look, it's baseball, folks, so – Sometimes in baseball, you you know, you don't really know until you, you know, you get into the warmer weather and you got to have, you know, 10, 15 games under your belt. But you go out and, and everybody's happy. You know, you sweep Holy Cross, you're 4-0. Yeah, yeah, all right, you know. And then lo and behold, Northwestern, which practices on a lacrosse field, um, which can't play a home game for another month, which lost two of three to the University of Nebraska-Omaha and then got swept by the aforementioned South Florida Bulls, you know, comes to your place and beats you two of three? 
I mean, and, and what's what's disturbing about that is that the last game was in extra innings. So you get to extra innings and you don't you don't dig deep and go win the game. That's not the baseball program Ray Tanner built. You know, those guys were never out of it ever, and you never felt like they were. Nowadays, I think, you know, like yesterday's game, when, you, when you're watching that, once Clemson put that four spot on the board and they're up 5-2, you're like, yeah, it's over. And it was. So, you know, the Clemson series was a chance to kind of redeem yourself for an embarrassing series loss to a Big Ten team at home. And it didn't happen. You know, it didn't happen. So, so, so where do you go from now? Because, you know, people are a little bit, you know, they're, they're already frustrated with a 4-8 football season. They're already frustrated because basketball, honest to God, basketball had two losses in the non-conference that were inexcusable. There's a lot of inexcusable things going on, okay, that happened. Uh, and that's put them behind the eight ball. Otherwise, I think we'd be sitting here talking about, well, you know, better beat Mississippi State to get on the right side of the bubble. Uh, better not lose to Vandy, and you probably should win one in the in the in the tournament. But you know I, th- their net ranking would be thirty points higher, and I, I think they would be in. But you lose to Boston U at home, which is not as bad of a loss as, as it seemed at the time, but it's a Q three loss. And you lose to Stetson at home in in one of the most mind boggling performances I've ever seen in my life. You know that team at that point. You go on the road. You beat Clemson and Virginia, which was unlikely. And, you know, you, you got that Boston U loss, and you, you got an embarrassing loss to Houston uh, at home because they beat you pretty good. And you lost to Wichita and you lost to Northern Iowa. All those are Q1 wins. Or, I mean, sorry, Q1 games, Q1 losses. And, and then, you get, you know, you're off for a week for Christmas and you come back and you play Stetson. You know, you need to beat those guys. You need to be excited and beat those guys into the ground. And if you're Frank Martin – this is not a criticism of, of him directly, but quite frankly, you got to coach those guys up to win that game. You know, I'm, I'm all for lessons being taught because I think that's what it's all about. But, you know, people have to realize that, you know, that one game can kill you because you're talking about getting in the NCAA tournament. Everything counts these days. And after last year's abysmal non-conference record, you should probably – I mean, that should have been known that, hey, that Stetson game here in front of 3,000 people or whatever, guys don't really feel like playing, it's important that you win, you know, run them until they lose their supper in the next practice, you know, if you want, if they don't show up and play, you know, but but you got to win the game. So, you know – that's that's sad and that's frustrating, you know, because you're sitting there with a pretty good basketball team at 17 and 12 right now that because of what happened in, in November and December and late December, which were inexcusable, you know, you're behind the eight ball. You know, you have to do some some kind of miracle to get in the tournament when it really shouldn't be all that hard. Um, and so that's tough. You know, uh, baseball, back to baseball. And I, I just, you know, just watching this team, you know, I, and I've, I watch a lot of Carolina baseball. I love, I love the sport. I'm not an expert like John Whittle. But, you know, this baseball team, you know, you, you got, you know, two extra inning losses to Northwestern, which is unbelievable. Um, you know, and then they win the Clemson game. You know, they didn't play well all weekend. So, so what, do you, what do you do now? Well, well, t- tomorrow night you go up to Furman. And you better not lose to Furman. And then you got Boston College coming in. Boston College is a northern team, but they're in the ACC, so they're better than Northwestern. Three games against Cornell and a game against the Citadel. So that's, that's six games. Okay. Gamecocks are 7-4. They need to be 13-4 and four by the time Tennessee comes to town for a three-game set or, or series to open SEC play. And then they need to win two or three of those. Two of three. You know, because then you got NC State midweek game, and then you go to Georgia, which is very, very good. And so, you know, these next, what, two, five, six, nine, 
I'll throw the NC State game in there too. It's up in Charlotte on March 18th. Ten games. This is gonna this is gonna determine if and this is three SEC games too. You don't need to lose any more non-conference. That that's out the window. You've had your two screw ups. Okay. These next ten games are gonna determine whether or not South Carolina is, you know, a team that's good that got off to a bad start, or whether it's a team that everybody needs to be very concerned about and thus be concerned about the Kingston era. You know, look, I'm all for giving guys time, but this is South Carolina baseball. You know, I mean, this is South Carolina baseball. And you can't trend too far in the wrong direction. (laughs) I mean, you know, or or you kind of lose what you've got. Some people, you know, have said, well, this is not nearly the job that it was. Well, there's a difference between current state of the program and job, you know, the South Carolina football job is actually better now than it was when Will Muschamp took over. Because when you're looking at it in terms of evaluating and in terms of a job, well, the SEC still isn't all that good outside of one team, probably two with Florida. Um, you got a new $50 million facility there. You don't have to follow Steve Spurrier, which is something you know, coaches like, you know, believe me, coaches saw what he did at South Carolina and they were like, whew. That's a, you're following the legend, the winningest coach in school history, and you don't have a very good roster. You know, so that's a big rebuild, and, you know, there's not a lot of patience around the SEC. Um, so even though Carolina was 4-8 and eight on the football field last year, it is a better job than it was before Muschamp got there. You know, I think the basketball job is not a good basketball job, not a good men's basketball job. I think it once was. I think kind of around the time they hired Dave Odom when they probably should have hired Greg Marshall, and I knew it at the time. I wasn't even in this business at the time. I knew it, though. I said, they're making a huge mistake hiring this guy from Wake that, you know, scored nine points against Xavier in the first half of his NCAA tournament game. Um, He he doesn't have a Tim Duncan. He's kind of on the other side. This is a mistake. I I thought Greg Marshall, and if you don't want to go that, don't want to roll the dice there, then Bobby Crimmins wanted the job at the time, and he wouldn't have turned around and gone back to Atlanta. And I thought at least Bobby Crimmins could come in and recruit. And I guarantee you, Bobby Crimmins could have easily won two NIT titles, like just like Dave Odom did. Bobby Crimmins may have won more in the SEC. But, but there, there, that was a mistake. So, you know, but at that point, South Carolina was, you know, five, six years off of, you know, having uh, – a 15 and one SEC championship team going back to the tournament under Fogler. Um, they just built a brand new arena. You know, they weren't too far removed from their days as a powerhouse in the ACC. Um, fans at that point were showing up a lot more for men's basketball at Carolina because folks remember, I mean, Eddie Fogler used to sell out the Carolina Coliseum all the time when the Gamecocks were winning. So the right, the right person coming in for that final year at the Coliseum and first year in the, in the, big, the big house there, the right guy could have really gotten some things done. And Dave, to his credit, kept it above water. I mean, he, he went to the NIT finals first year, had a bad year his next year, which was the first at the CLA. Uh, and then went to the tournament, then won two NITs. Uh, and then you hit a stretch where for almost a decade, basketball was terrible. And every other sport on campus, women's basketball, baseball, football, was at its peak. Or uh, women's basketball is heading towards its peak. It's at its peak now. But I don't want to talk about that. I mean, I, I, congratulations to Dawn Staley and her team. Uh, I, I think they're the best team in the country this year. I hope they win the whole thing. But I'm not going to insult most of you and sit here and blow the women's basketball sunshine at you and act like you should just be fine with everything else in the other sports because women's basketball is so great. I think that's an insult to a lot of you, even those of you that are hardcore women's basketball fans. I mean, you have to be hurting for the other sports too. And there's nothing wrong with the women's basketball program being great, and I hope it stays great, and I hope it's all great. But when you're talking about the overall performance in the major sports, and I do consider women's basketball one of the four majors, in the SEC, that sport matters. Nationally, that sport matters. You get a lot of good publicity for the university with that sport. Um, I think I, I'm not going to insult you and say, but, 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 but the women's team. 
you know? And, and I'm usually one that if there's a, a ray of light out there, I'm going to point it out, but I, I just, I'm not going to insult you and tell you everything's hunky-dory because the women's basketball team is the best team in the country. That's just not it. That's being tone deaf. And I hope every one of you goes to Greenville for the SEC tournament and Greenville for the regional and packs out the CLA for them and goes to New Orleans and celebrates a Final Four and a national championship. I, I'm not saying, oh, well, you know, that's not even a sport. I'm just saying that, you know, that doesn't make everything okay right now. It doesn't make everything okay. So baseball's got to turn it around, you know, and, and you know, before that, I was talking, all right, the basketball job, the basketball job. The basketball job is not a good job, men's. Um, and I think that there's a lot of reasons for it. As I mentioned earlier, this in-state recruiting thing is, is bigger than Frank Martin. Um, I think that's tough. I, I, I still think if you can get the in-state guys, you have a chance to be pretty good. You know, I, I also think that it almost needs to be a blend of what Fogler was able to do. And, and let me just reiterate this because everybody talks about, well, Eddie Fogler got all these guys. and all, Yes, that was when the AAU coaches were the high school coaches. And Eddie Fogler did as good a job as anybody at building relationships with high school coaches across the state and all that. Well, guess what? The high school coaches aren't making the decisions anymore. And that changed, and that's why Eddie Fogler didn't coach anymore. Now, you know, that, that's just the deal. But but I think if you got somebody that could crack that nut or if that nut ever is to be cracked by Frank Martin or whoever, if you got a lot of the top guys in state and you were, you know, kind of like football, signing the top guys from the state. And I, I think you need that. But I also think, because keep in mind, with Eddie Fogler, when the in-state talent cycled down, which it will, it will, when the in-state talent cycled down, you had a recruiting class of David Ross and Rikus Nix. Nothing against those guys, but that was the recruiting class coming off an SEC championship and a two-seed. Don't talk to me about Coppin State or Richmond. You know who the head coach at Richmond was? I mentioned him earlier. Uh, in, uh, I guess it was 1998. Gamecocks lost the second straight time in the first round. Uh, John Beeline <laughs> from Michigan, who now is – a free agent because he quit the Cleveland Cavaliers Cavaliers this year. But, uh, you know, you you look at it, and, and so I, I think – and I'm not going to say Eddie Fogler dropped the ball. Eddie Fogler's idea was I'm going to ride the in-state talent up and down and up and down, and, and then that's fine. And I think everybody would have been fine with it. Well, then Billy Donovan gets to Florida, and that's really when we first started hearing about AAU recruiting and all that and builds a powerhouse down there, and it's like, wow. You know, what What are you going to do? And um, so he left, got out of coaching. He's now a consultant, and good for him. I mean, he did he did his job. Uh, but I think if you can find somebody to get the in-state guys to come to South Carolina, which I don't – like I said, I think it's, it's beyond uh, Frank Martin or whoever. And it's just – it's beyond that. Uh, and I know uh, Neesmith, who went to Vandy – there's reports that he wasn't a fan of Frank Martin's coaching style, and that's why he went to play for the Clapper and all that. You know, I'll say this. Even if Neesmith didn't dislike Frank Martin's coaching style, he wasn't coming to South Carolina. Um, it's beyond that. And, and, you know, part of it is you have some people, honest to God, that would rather see their AAU players go anywhere but South Carolina. It's a feather in the cap of an AAU coach to put guys at as many different schools as possible. Many different schools as possible and do all that. And so then they hide it under the guise of your, your life's going to be better if you leave. We talked about that last week. Um, you know, and so I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's going to change, you know, barring just a super recruiter coming in and getting things done. And then part of it, too, is the erosion of the program for those 10 years while Frank was kind of trying to build it up and – you know, he held on to Odom too long, at least for one year too long, probably two. The war chest of credibility uh, season, which ended up Odom resigned in January anyway. 
uh, the hiring of Darren Horn and his subsequent subsequent failures. Uh, and then to so, so you know you're going nine years and people just lost interest. And look, I think that the run to the Final Four shows you that South Carolina fans will show up for men's basketball, and not just in Greenville. I mean, there's a video on YouTube of the last minutes of the Elite Eight game against Florida. That's New York City, and as Frank Martin pointed out, it's most one of the most expensive cities to visit in the world. And, you know, you had over half of Madison Square Garden pulling for the Cox. You know, I was in Phoenix. South Carolina's crowd showed up. Showed up. Showed up. You know, um, at the last minute. And that's giving you a week, a week to get across the country. And people showed up like that. Now, the issue at the CLA is another thing. And look, this is all this all impacts recruiting. Because, you know, you get a kid that comes and there's he's sitting down there courtside and there's a bunch of empty seats. That sucks. It's not a good look. You know, you're sitting there watching on TV if you're a recruit and it's a big game and there's nobody, you know, because you, you, you can see the empty seats on TV. And there's more people there than it looks like. Um, you know, then you turn on the women's game. It's packed. You turn on the first and second round of the NCAA tournament when they had the regional in Columbia last year, it's packed. Uh, National basketball writers were talking about what a great college basketball venue the CLA was. You know, so that's an issue too because, man, that, that affects recruiting. Your atmosphere affects recruiting. Don't think it doesn't matter with recruiting, you know. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of issues there uh, with that program. I, 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 so I don't, I don't know that it's a good job. I think it's a job that, you know, just kind of like when Holtz got hired with football, it wasn't a good football job. It's a ten times better football job than it was. I mean, you're, you're coming in at a time where you're staring up at Tennessee and Florida and Georgia's pretty good, and you're kind of that fourth team in the East, and you're, you know, the whole West is better than you. Because you lose to Mississippi State and Arkansas most years. And you just came off a 1-21. in You're the worst team in the SEC. Um, fortunately, basketball's not quite at that level. Uh, but you have to kind of look at it and go, wow, you know, this, this program went to a Final Four and couldn't capitalize. Couldn't capitalize. And, and that's not all on Frank. Whether or not you want to get rid of Frank, give Frank a lifetime contract, keep him one more year, whatever your opinion is on Frank Martin, it's just not correct to say that's all on him. You know, he's responsible for wins and losses, for sure. But there are reasons why, even with a Final Four berth, you know, this program didn't start, you know, blowing up. And it's because it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, you know what Frank Martin should have done? The year after the Final Four, he should have gone out and gotten a bunch of grad, and he did get some grad transfers that were available, Wes Wes Myers and Frank Booker. Um, You know, probably should have gotten even more than that. I mean, he probably should have scheduled, like, garbage teams. They scheduled a little bit tougher, you know, especially the next year. Uh, and tried to run it up and make sure you at least get to the NIT. If there's something I fault him for, he overscheduled a couple of the last two teams in the pre- in the non-conference. But hey, you know, look away we go. I mean, I, I just you know, it, it's not all on him. You know, obviously the buck stops with him wins and losses wise. Obviously, he's accountable for his program, but. It's not just as easy as saying, oh, well, you know, incompetent coaching and program management caused this program not to take off after going to a Final Four. That's just not true. So this is not a good basketball job. Um, so if, if something happens and Frank goes, then, you know, you have, to, you have to have the stars align and make a good hire. I mean, great hire. You know, like I said, Rick Pitino, John Beeline, uh, Anthony Grant, maybe. Uh, Greg Marshall, at the very least, bring him home. you got to do something because you go out and hire an unknown, it's just that. You're not going to sell any more season tickets. There's not. I mean, imagine if – all right, 
and some of you, I understand, have a problem with Rick Pitino and, you know, some of the morality issues that he had at Louisville. Look, I'm not saying Rick Pitino. If you want to compare human beings, you know, if that's a huge criteria, then, then you need to keep Frank Martin because there's no better human being in the sport of basketball. You know, if, you're, if we're talking about that, you know, give Frank a lifetime contract because you're not going to find anybody better. And I don't care if you like that he cusses or doesn't like that he cusses. That is your personal, like, life view. And I'm not going to criticize that because we all have our, our values and our norms and, you know, sort of what we value and, and our religion or, or whatever. If you don't like to hear dirty words coming out of your basketball coach's mouth, I am not going to criticize you for that at all. Because that has nothing to do with winning and losing. It has to do with your own personal, you know, life views and worldviews. And that's fine. I respect that. But it has nothing to do with winning and losing and, bat- and actual coaching and, and, what, and really what kind of a human being Frank Martin is. You know, so if we're talking about human beings, then just hold on to Frank and, you know, go, you know, let him just try to figure it out. You know, unless he goes someplace else, which, you know, if I am him... And I get a chance at a like a Big East job with you know, like a DePaul or something. And remember, Oliver Purnell left Clemson for DePaul and was a complete disaster. So maybe DePaul is not a great job. But, uh, you know, that's like a basketball-only kind of gig, Xavier or something like that. I'm going. I'm going. I'm taking the pay cut and I'm going. Um, I don't know that he will. If, if I got Miami and I were him, if Laranega hang, hang, hangs it up and they hire you, yeah, I'm gone. I'm gone. But you know, so but but the deal is, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a change, if those of you that won't change out there in basketball, you have to understand. Number one, it's a bad job. Number two, uh, and this is the, the the conundrum is you have to make a big time hire. You know, and like Rick Pitino, I get back to that. You know, some of you are like, I don't want Rick Pitino because at what cost do you hire him? Look, he was cleared in terms of the NCAA violations. He won his, he sued and won his lawsuit against Adidas. You know, in a court of law, you know, he's proven that, you know, he wasn't responsible for all that stuff. You know, I'll remind you again, Will Wade has a job at Louisiana State University as the head coach. Uh, look. That's fine. And I know he's 67, but if you get five years and he takes you to five tournaments, the dynamics of the program change. And you need somebody, you know, and this has happened throughout South Carolina athletic history. You know, this is what Lou Holtz was for. You know, you had the Brad Scott era, blah, 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 blah. I think Frank Martin's much better than Brad Scott, but that's beside the point. Uh, and, And then you're like, okay, we're done with this. We're done experimenting. We're going to go hire a guy that's a no-brainer that's going to get everybody excited. And that was Lou Holtz. And I think, in my opinion, Rick Pitino, John Beeline, you know, Greg Marshall, because he's always been the guy. Greg Marshall hiring him would be like those of you that remember Dick Sheridan back in the day, be like hiring Dick Sheridan. You know, he probably should have been the coach at South Carolina two or three different times. He was at NC State for a while. You know, that's kind of the guy everybody always talks about. Or Bobby Crimmins. You know, we always talked about Bobby Crimmins. That's that kind of hire. But, but, you, but other than that, if you just kind of throw out the nets and say, okay, who wants the job? You know, we're going to interview and hire a search firm, which I think those are garbage. Um, who do we hire? You know, I, 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 who are you going to get that's better than the guy you've got now? Yeah, and you may, you may end up hiring a guy that's uh, – you know, keep in mind, Will, like Will Wade, LSU hired him. LSU is a better basketball job than South Carolina. And if you notice, Will Wade did not go back to his alma mater. They were they were lining it up, and they're like, "Well, if Will Wade would come here, we'll dump Brunell." No, I'm not going there. I'm going to LSU because LSU is an infinitely better basketball job than South Carolina or Clemson. Fact, just a fact. South Carolina goes to a couple more Final Fours. You know, maybe it gets there. But you need somebody that's going to put fannies in the seat, that's going to unite the fan base, that's going to get people excited about basketball again. And, look, people say, well, if a Final Four run won't get you excited about basketball, I don't know what was. But that was kind of one magical month. And I think had the next season, which was a 17-16 and year, which, you know, wasn't terrible, 
if the next season, you know, there were like three games Carolina lost in the last minute that year. They win those three, they get in the tournament that year. There were not a lot of bad losses on that team. They just didn't win enough. And, and I think if you go back to back at that point, you know, people are fired up. And then last year's 500 record was just a young team with a lot of injuries, and now you're right back on the bubble this year. Um, but it didn't happen. And so I think that with basketball, if you're going to make a change, you know, keep in mind it's a bad job. But, you know, another thing to consider is South Carolina with the new, you know, depending on how soon Disney and ESPN decide to do the game of the week, take it from CBS, there's a lot of rumors they're going to go ahead and buy that contract out and get it going. I mean, you're going to have maybe $20 million a piece more in TV money. So you're going to have the money to do whatever you have. Money talks, you know. You're going to have the money to build a facility. And, and quite frankly, folks, um, I know that the Coliseum, they, they've, done, they've done a pretty good job getting that into a practice facility. And I'll, I'll say this. With the success Dawn Staley and Frank Martin both have had, the minute that year one goes to the Final Four and uh, one wins the national championship, I don't care what you want to build, and Ray Tanner's talked about building a tennis complex or whatever. At that point, you say, what do you want? We're going to build you a Taj Mahal. You know, it's like Ray Tanner said, let's keep hanging banners. Well, if you want to keep hanging banners, you got to build facilities. I'm not saying you need to go all in $50 million, uh, like you did with football. But, you know, you need a nice standalone basketball operations facility. Uh, if you want to look at an example, go uh, look at Kansas State's. They built that for Frank, and then he left. And so Weber's had it. And then, you know, I'd go look at what Clemson did with Little John. I mean, Clemson remodeled Little John. They've got practice facilities. They've got player lounges, stuff like that. And they're building all those at the college. They have all those in the Coliseum, but it's just not ideal. You know, you need a, if you're going to try to win at the highest level consistently, you know, you need that. Um, and look, I know Don Staley's doing it or whatever. That's a different sport. Do I think she deserves the nicest practice facility in the country? Uh, yes, but it also needs to be part of the men's program, just like it is now. You need, you need both. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think facilities or whatever. But, that, you know, you need somebody to come in the door at basketball that, that's going to be a no-brainer that everybody's going to get excited about. And then, hey, maybe somebody that likes basketball will sign a check and they will build something. Baseball, and I'm about to wrap up here, there is no excuse for what is happening on the baseball diamond last year and this year so far. No excuse. Uh, You're a top ten job still, probably top five. It's a place where you've won national championships. Uh, You can win national championships. You can win SEC championships. Uh, South Carolina, LSU, you know, I think you have to throw Vanderbilt in there now because of their unique situation, which I think is completely unfair. But the NCAA doesn't even care about college baseball, so they're not going to worry about it. Um, got to throw Vandy in there. You know, Florida's good. Mississippi State's good. But South Carolina and LSU are the two best jobs in the, in the league. You know, maybe Texas A&M, but since they're kind of a newcomer, I don't know. And the Aggies haven't exactly, you know – won national titles. You know, your national title winners have been Vandy, South Carolina, Florida, LSU. And, um, you know, that's not to say Georgia and Arkansas and Mississippi State, and those teams don't have good teams either because they do. It's a bloodbath. But, you know, unlike in football where you've always kind of, you know, you don't have the history and tradition of the other ones, you know, baseball is one where you do. And you got a nice stadium, and you got a state that's full of great baseball players that borders states that are also full of great baseball players, there's no excuse. There's zero excuse for South Carolina baseball to be like it is. You know, so if you have to make a change there, uh, I tend to think you can go get one of the best coaches in the country, regardless of who that is. Is it the guy at Michigan? Is it the guy at Mississippi State? Is it, is it the guy at Louisville? All, they, all of them have South Carolina ties. 
Do you make another run at Kevin O'Sullivan? I mean, what do you do if this thing really gets off the rails and you have to make a change after this year? Because I, I just I don't believe that you know anybody's going to be happy if this program goes eight and twenty-two in the SEC again. That's unacceptable. You can't do that. Not at South Carolina. Not in baseball. So I don't know. Um, but anyway, I, you know, the point of all this is I, I just I don't know how much more you guys can take. Um, I feel bad for you. Uh, you know, the, the last two academic years have been nothing but, you know, reasonably high expectations. And, and the expectations have been reasonable. You know, it's it's not like everybody's out here going, God, Frank only made it to the Sweet 16. They didn't get back to the Final Four. Failure. You know, only the – in fact, I've never even seen any Gamecock fans say any kind of stupid crap like that. You know, oh, God, must champ, only won eight games. Failure. You know, ah, we got bounced out in the Super Regionals again. Failure. Now, once we get down the road three or four years, it's three or four straight Super Regionals, they keep getting out. At that point, yeah, baseball, you probably say, ah, it's time to get to Omaha. But it's not like that. there's been unrealistic expectations. I mean – this past year, I think I picked eight and four for the football team. Um, and people were like, oh, they're the toughest schedule in the country. That's malarkey. That, 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 that wasn't, and it, didn't, it didn't end up the toughest schedule in the country. And, and you look at it, you're like, well, how can you say eight and four, JC? They, they, were, they were terrible. Four and eight. Well, I sort of expected them to beat North Carolina and App State. And, you know, they, they, they could have in those games. Um. Sort of expected them to beat Missouri and Tennessee. Could have, although those were 20-point losses. Those were direct results of, I think, terrible coaching. They got outcoached in both of those games. Um, of course, at the time, I didn't expect Jake Bentley to get hurt, uh, although I don't think that's an excuse. I think that's an excuse to go 6-6. Six and six. So... You know, I, I, the expectation for basketball this year was to contend in the SEC, which they are because they're all kind of in the top half of the standings and all that, and to get back to the NCAA tournament. Well, you hadn't lost to Stetson and BU. Probably in right now. You know, and then the expectation of baseball is get to the NCAA tournament. We don't know if it is. We don't know if they'll make it. You know, so I, I don't I don't think that, you know, the last two years and, – and look, I predicted 11-2 and two, in 2018 for football. And, you know, quite frankly, A&M game, Kentucky game, uh, Florida game that they should have held on to. And then you win the bowl instead of losing it, and that, they're 11-2. and two. They weren't that far off. But it was disappointing because they lost. and lost. They were out of the division race with that loss to Kentucky before they even started. Um, you know, basketball last year, I, I think that there, there's maybe hope to get to the NIT. I thought last year's basketball team overachieved to get to 16 and 16. Um, and then baseball last year, expectations were low. But, you know, Whittle and I were talking, and he, he thought they could probably get to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, there are all these one-run losses, and seven of them go another way. Yeah, you're probably in. But – you know, so that that was last academic year. And and so then there's the hope all summer that, you know, hey, football's going to get better. They're, they got a lot of good senior players, which they did. Defense will be better, which it was. And you have one of the worst seasons. You, you have the worst season that you've had since the 0-11 year with the same head coach the whole year. They were 3-9 in 2015, but that was Spurrier resigning midseason and all that. Um, and so that was bad. You know, Frank's guys start out pretty well, and then another facepalm against a Boston U, non-conference opponent. And then, you know, they get back up off the mat, and then another facepalm against Stetson. And you're like, you're just scratching your head. And then since they've gotten into SEC play, uh, it's been just one thing after another. You know, you, you get to you, – you won eight out of ten games to get back in the, the hunt. Well, now you've lost three or four. You know, and then now the baseball season's cattywampus. I like that word, cattywampus. So I don't know how much more you guys can take. I appreciate you listening to me. 
Uh, I share your frustration. I know I threw out a lot of different things today, a lot of different scenarios. Uh, I will tell you, though, that the reason I went through, like, what type of job each of these three sports is, uh, is because, you know, if, if, if things do not get better, there will be changes. It's inevitable in life uh, and in college athletics. Um, and, and so you have to kind of get, you know, get an idea, start gathering, you know, your thoughts in terms of, you know, the realistic ability, you know, to, to attract better coaches. And I, I think football is a very good job. Uh, I think baseball is an elite job. And I think basketball is a bad job right now. But it can be good if you get the right person. Unfortunately, I think if, if you make it, if, if any kind of change happens in basketball, that's the sport where you need like a home run hire. You know, the other ones, you know, maybe in baseball you need one too, but I mean, there are enough guys out there to where in football and baseball to where I think you can make a good hire. Basketball, it's kind of a feast or famine thing, but you know, who knows? Who knows if this will happen, if any of it will happen. Um, I will be previewing the basketball game tomorrow because uh, it's tomorrow night at the Colonial Life Arena. Uh, I did not talk today about the recent recruit uh, in football. Uh, I will break him down tomorrow, give you some other recruiting tidbits. This has been ITG Daily. This is J.C. Sherbert.